Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. On the Verge is part of Baltimore Sports and Life Radio. And tonight we come to you with episode number 99. And on this episode, we'll break down the hitters and pitchers of the month for April 2022 in the Orioles farm system. Talk about the latest promotions that happened, including Kyle Bradis in the major leagues. Highlight our players outside of our top 30 prospect rankings at the end of the show. But first, we're joined by a special guest as left-handed pitcher Drew Rahm, currently the AA Bowie Bay Sox, is on tonight's episode. Drew, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to it. Our pleasure to have you here. And let's just start off. You're four starts into the season now, coming off of a pretty solid April. How would you assess your performance so far in 2022? I mean, honestly, it's not the start that I wanted to get off to, but, I mean, it is April, so we're just taking every hit that comes to it. So... I mean, I just hope that next month is going to be a better month and we should keep building on top of some of the little successes I had last month. Uh, one thing that we've enjoyed highlighting, uh, just looking at some of your, your numbers here over the last couple of seasons, at each level that you've uh, been promoted to, the command has improved at each level. Um, what have you done to make that a big part of your development over the last couple of years? Um, honestly, just fine-tuning a bunch of my mechanics and just kind of I guess making those better and more consistent because back when I was drafted, like everything was very inconsistent, just kind of the tall and tall type thing. And now it's actually like we're actually sitting in my legs a little bit more. We're trying to fine tuning those type of little details and then just making sure everything comes out of the same slot. So there's a lot of pitching talent in his organization, as I'm, I'm sure you know, but which teammates do you turn to often for advice? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I'll still call up Grayson or someone like that, or like even. Um, I mean, honestly, anyone here, especially in Double A, like they they know their stuff. Like they're not gonna just be here just because they're here, but they're also because they're a great baseball mind. So honestly, anyone around us um, is probably a good person to go to just because they're all good in their own way, and honestly, a little bit of information from everyone always helps. So. Nice. Is there? I like asking our guests, uh, players that we get on the show, this question, especially the pitchers, because uh, you guys have the best answers here. So, oh. it, if you had to, if your the roles were reversed and you had to step in the batter's box, uh, which of your teammates is the last guy you want to see out there on the mound? Um, shoot, I don't know. Honestly, uh, are we talking like double A or just like in general? Uh, any, anybody you've played with up to this point. I mean, honestly, just because he's a lefty, I'd probably say DL would be the most uncomfortable for me. And then also, I think Nolan Hoffman would be really uncomfortable just because of his arm slot and how it plays against lefties and righties. But I think Hoffman and DL would probably be the most difficult. How fun was that uh, 2019 season in Delmarva with you and Grayson and a great pitching staff all together? Vespi, Justin Ramsey just got his start in the organization, I believe. That was, that was fun to watch. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely a special team for sure, and I kind of got blessed my first year with all that. I mean, especially having Ramsey his first year being in there and bringing like what he knows to the table every time. I mean, he's obviously done a great job with all the pitchers that he's worked with, but ultimately just having those guys kind of around me and then just also just being able to come up through the system with them, just learning through them and learning with them throughout this whole process. I mean, I think that was a really special team, both just – um, camaraderie-wise and talent-wise. You've had the opportunity starting in Delmarva and since then to play under Kyle Moore a few times. You're back together now in Bowie. What is he like as a manager, and how has he helped you at, in your development? I'd definitely say he's more like a player coach. Like He definitely understands his role and understands like what the day in, day out of what we are going through, what we're feeling, like kind of how everyone is throughout the day. And just overall, like, the season, like, he's got a bunch of feel in terms of, like, making sure we're still on top of everything and making sure that we still get the intended rest and that we're not just beating ourselves into the ground. But, like, overall, he's just one of the best dudes you could ever ask to play under. 
because, I mean, he just understands the game and he understands kind of what you're going through because he's been there before. Whenever uh, people within the industry discuss the Orioles minor league system, it's full of high praise for the growth in big-time bats, which obviously is fair that they have a, we have a loaded system of offensive players. But there always seems to be, uh, beyond Grayson and DL, they lack pitching depth, which uh, we would disagree with. What would you say to those critics? I mean, I disagree with it. I mean, just because we're not the big names like Grayson and DL, we don't all throw 100 like they do, and we don't ha- all have those type of tools. I mean, we're all good in our own way. And, I mean, overall, I think we've shown that to be the truth for, like, based on every one of our stats and all of our outings and everything. Uh, I mean, we're not the big-time prospects, but we are going to go out there and compete and give it our all every time. And most of the time, we found success just doing what we do. So, I mean, I think people are just kind of overlooking us, and it kind of comes with a chip on our shoulder. And I think we take that with a little bit of fire, and we love it. I feel like I feel like it even trickles up to Kyle Bradish, who you know he's. We've talked about him up for a while now. Makes his major league debut, looks good, and you don't really hear much about it. But he's in the majors now, and he's and he's he's here. Yeah, I mean, he was probably one of the guys that I was surprised people weren't really mentioning because I mean, you knew he was going to be a big leader as soon as we saw him, and kind of he has all the tools ready for, it, and he was closer than I guess Grayson was at that point, and I think Grayson's probably right behind him. But I just think there's a lot of dudes here that are just not. I guess, written about or even talked about as much as they should be. Yeah, it's interesting to hear players talk about that. Like, I feel like Grayson, at least publicly, you know, he says he doesn't pay attention to prospect rankings and all that chatter. He just goes out and does his job. Uh, But for, like, yourself and maybe some of your teammates, do you guys, like, are you guys reading a lot of that stuff or or talking about that in the clubhouse or at the apartment at nighttime? Um, I know probably not in the clubhouse. No one really is. just kind of like that's not really, like, thing you should be talking about but like yeah behind closed doors i'm sure people talk and like look at all that stuff because i mean i know i do and i know if i'm not ranked where i think i should be or something like that like i mean it lights a little fire on you and like once you i guess once you make them kind of believe in you and like kind of believe in what you want to do and kind of how you are and kind of be that picture that you think you can be and just show everyone what you can be spoiler alert we're gonna do a bonus Patreon podcast after this to update our top 50 and you moved up two spots. So <laughs> we're, nice. we're paying attention. Um, going back to last year when you were in Aberdeen, there was a play where that will always stick with me. You put out the, the soccer skill set there. You oh, kicked Lord. the ground ball up from behind yeah. you, deflected it right to second base, started a beautiful double play. And it, it looked like you had done it like a thousand times. Uh, this wasn't just by accident. You, you purposely did this. Um, was there ever thought about going pro or going to the next level with soccer? Like, was there ever an opportunity that we would be talking right now with Drew Rom, future Team USA soccer star, instead of Drew Rom, up-and-coming Orioles prospect pitcher? I mean, I don't know about Team USA, but, like, definitely probably at least a collegiate player because, I mean, I had some offers, but I just I just didn't really see much of a future for soccer for me at least just because, I mean, if you're not in Europe, you're not really doing much with soccer and you're not really getting paid all that much. So I saw – kind of a better opportunity in the States, at least for baseball. But, I mean, I did know a couple of guys that have played on the national team and kind of have um, had a lot of success, like, nationally and internationally with it. But I think overall baseball is probably the better option for me. Did you ever hold one sport in higher regard than the other? Like, was it always clear that baseball was your number one, or were they kind of even? No, I mean, honestly, up until – I'd probably say my sophomore year summer, I always thought it was going to be soccer. But then I think I just got a lot more recognition for baseball, just basically being who I was on, on the mound rather than I, who I was on the soccer field. And I think it just kind of took over that point, and I realized that that's probably my future. So I might as well take it full full on and just ride with it. So I know this Did is you- a baseball podcast, but who were you on the soccer field? I mean, I was just a defender. I mean, I was a big bully in the back. I mean, that was my job, was to make kids uncomfortable and just, like, toss them around and, I mean, just basically not let anyone pass me. But, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely enjoy that part of soccer just because you're able to bump shoulders with guys, just getting under their skin really easily. And, I mean, honestly, had a lot of fun doing it, so. I don't know how the soccer schedule lines up because I'm here in Virginia and I guess Virginia is weird in that soccer is a spring sport instead of a fall sport. But um, 
did that prevent like i know there's some other guys in the organization like brendan hanafy he's from i live like five minutes from his parents and i know he played every other sport under the sun and really didn't do like the travel baseball or you know, the showcases didn't really wasn't a full-time pitcher until i think his senior year of high school which just speaks i think to the athleticism that some of you guys possess but um did you do the some of those showcases in that circuit or uh, while you were doing soccer as well yeah so my junior year i was either on the soccer field or at the baseball field almost i mean every day and a lot of it was most of the time it was the tournaments for baseball i'd always be there but for like kind of midday stuff i was at the soccer field so i mean i didn't really do any of the circuit until i guess my junior year because that's kind of when i started playing competitive summer ball because before that it was like your i guess like your american legion your knot hole whatever you guys want to call it up there but yeah, I mean, I didn't really get into it until my like my sophomore year is the first showcase I ever went to. So, one thing that we have noticed about you on the mound is that it seems, at least us outwardly, that it's very difficult to rattle you. You seem very calm and composed at all times, and pretty much in control of the game and in control of what you're going to throw the movement in the game. What's going on internally, though? What are you telling yourself as you work through each at bat? Absolutely nothing. Nothing going on. But honestly, I mean, it's really just taking one pitch at a time. I don't like to think too much because I think once I start thinking, I think I oh, I start overthinking at that point, and I just kind of lose it at that point. And I think just the less I, I guess, focus on the pitch like ahead, the better it is, and just kind of let my body do its thing, and then just kind of throwing it. Because I mean, the more the more I think, the the worse I do, and I've just kind of always found that to kind of be, I guess, a pattern throughout. And I just kind of think about what I'm going to throw, not necessarily like how perfect it has to be, but just trying to throw it through the zone and see what happens. Makes sense to me. At every stop you've made thus far in your pro career, you've been around what two and a half to four years younger than the average age of your peers. Yeah, your transition between levels has been pretty smooth, and the numbers show continued improvements along the way. What do you credit to that? Um, honestly, just the people I'm around because they make the transition really easy, but also just being kind of the pitcher I can be and not trying to be anyone that, I guess, someone else wants me to be and just kind of doing what I do, I guess, to the maximum potential I can be at that point and just kind of keep going and not really taking, like, any of my hits in stride, but, like, rather just overstepping them and overcoming any, I guess, negatives that I found along the way and just kind of keep going along through it. Something I noticed this year, and maybe I missed it, uh, and call me out if I have missed this, uh, this sidearm delivery that you pop out every once in a while, is that a new development? And if so, how did that come about? Um, We started it last year a little bit, but I think this year it's probably a little bit more prominent just because I'm starting to get more comfortable with it. But I get started back in, what was that, 2020 Instructs? Because I would always do it in the 2019 season, like after I pitched, just to kind of loosen it up because it always felt good to me and just kind of help the elbow loosen up a little bit. But then Chris Holt, um, during Instructs, he asked, hey, have you ever tried that during game? I'm like, I did back in high school a little bit, but they told me not to after my junior year, even though, like, I mean, it was effective and it was working. So then he's like, well, I mean, I'm not against it, and I kind of want to see what happens. So we kind of just went with it and tried it out there, tried it out in 2021 spring training, and eventually it just kind of kind of um, became a staple in kind of my arsenal because, I mean, if you can throw from two different arm slots, and yeah, the hitter's going to be really confused, especially lefties. Um, but yeah, honestly, we were just trying to always find different weapons I could attack guys with. And I've heard the Cortez comp pretty frequently now from the Yankees guys. So, um, that's not a bad dude to be compared with, but I mean, uh, it's, it's just comfortable to me and it just seems efficient. So mustache alone, you can have the Cortez comp. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard, I've heard it way more ever since I've got the mustache last year too. Uh, do you find like speaking of Chris Holt and some of these other pitching coaches you've worked with, I mean, are they pretty open to like, if you feel like something's not working or you want to try something in a game or practice, like how comfortable are you with going to them and being like, Hey, I want to try this out. And how receptive are they to that and letting you go with it? Very receptive. I mean, honestly, they kind of feel 
if you think it's going to work, then you might as well just try it out. There's no reason not to. Because, I mean, they're not going to say, like, no. Like, you always have to have a reasoning behind anything you do. If you have a good reasoning behind it, they're not going to say no to it. And most of the time, they'll tell you that stuff before you can even think about it. But honestly, if you think you got something, then they'll say, hey, just make sure you try it out first. Make sure you're comfortable with it. Try it out in a couple of bullpens, maybe like even a live at bat here or there. And then they'll try to maybe implement it into a game. Maybe not like super full on to begin with, but like maybe one or two pitches or something. I know, I mean, I know everyone down here is always experimenting and kind of tinkering a little bit and just trying something new. So, kind of got to be open to it. Uh, one thing, it seems like, especially in the offseason, every time we put out like a Drew Rom tweet, uh, someone's got to respond, What's the velo? What's the velo? What's the velo? Um, do you feel like that focus on velocity like takes away from what you can do on the mound and like, you know, that term soft tossing lefty gets thrown around like so dismissively and just too easily, I feel like. Um, so w- what's your response to that? I mean, I've heard it, I think, every single time anything Steven tweeted or said about me. But, I mean, I'm 22, so I'm not really too worried about it. I mean, it's very easy to pick up Velo once you're older, once your kind of body is in that peak maturity. I mean, we saw Means increase Velo when he was, what, 24, 25? So, I mean, yeah. I've increased Velo, I think, every year I've been in pro ball. So, I mean, I'm not super worried about it. If other people want to be worried about it, that's on them. But for me, I'm just going to keep doing what I can do and just kind of be the pitcher I am, not the pitcher they want me to be. And if Velo comes and he comes, if not, then I'm just going to keep getting better at what I do. So, Yeah, I mean, having people ride the tortoise in the hair, I think maybe uh, slow and steady might be the way to keep that velocity once you actually get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to risk anything, so I'm not going to go out there, blow out my arm, and then try to do something. So, For the record, what what is the Velo right now? Um, I, I mean, honestly, it's a changing thing. I mean, probably about sitting 92, 93 would be my guess. I really don't know. But, I mean, as a lefty, I'm okay with it, and I'm 22. So, I mean, I, ideally, if I can sit four to five, that's perfect. That's really all I need. And, I mean, throwing harder is never going to be a bad thing. But, I mean, I found success at 89, 90. So, I mean, 92, 93 is going to play. So, yeah, and I think Means and Zimmerman are pretty much right around there anyway. So I think you're doing all right. Mm-hmm. When you're between starts, do you look back at your previous outing at all and try to take any, you know, have any takeaways from it? And if so, what do you focus on? Um, so, yeah, we typically look at it like the day after. And it's a lot of like what our like vertical break was, like what we we're spinning, like what we went to more often than not, kind of what we liked, what we didn't like. And just kind of seeing, I guess, your difference between that start and then your average on the other starts. So seeing if anything was wrong, seeing if anything was better, seeing like if you can implement anything, maybe a little bit more, like throw a little bit more change-ups or uh, throw a breaking ball a little bit more often in some counts. But, I mean, yeah, we don't really read too much into it except for like the kind of just some of the data stuff. So, I mean, it is good to look back, but, I mean, honestly, it's just all eyes ahead. So you were part of the uh, drafted under the last front office regime, and you were in early on the current front office regime and have kind of seen that process evolve a little bit. So just how different are things now than they were in 2018 or even 2019? Super different, honestly. Like, the technology that we have access to is – above and beyond anything I think we could have seen coming in 2019 and kind of what we have is kind of what the top guys in the, um, like the game have. So, I mean, everyone came from the Astros. We have what the Astros have. So I think we're in a very good spot at this point with all the technology and all the data we have and that we can have and how we use it. And I think that we've seen that every year. We just continue to to keep getting better and better at, either using or implementing the data and just trying to make our stuff and ourselves just better. All right. Now I'm going to try something I haven't, we haven't tried before kind of like a word association. I'm going to name a player on your team and hit us with like a quick scouting report, just uh, right. about six to eight guys here. How about a start with Zach peak. 
friend of the show, was on the podcast uh, in the offseason. Absolute banger. I mean, his curveball is absurd. But, I mean, he's he's a little bit of a hothead, but it works for him. And, he, and we kind of like it, too. We just kind of have to work on some stuff. But, I mean, overall, he's a, he's a great dude. He does let his temper get a little bit out there, but that's kind of the person he is. He's just very up-tempo and always there. But, yeah, I mean, he's a good dude, and he does what he does very well. How about what you've seen from newest Oriole acquisition, Antonio Velez, so far? Honestly, he's a great dude. Like, I mean, I don't think we could ask for a better dude to come in the clubhouse. And overall, he's very intellectual about how he goes about his work. And he's also been very open to kind of all the technology and data we have available and kind of any of the advancements that we have. I guess Miami or something was kind of a little bit behind. So now he's trying out some stuff that we have here, and I think he's really taking a life into it. So uh, Another really pitcher. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, another pitcher who's going a little under the radar, I think, Garrett Stallings. Could be a soft-tossing righty, I suppose. Dude, honestly, he's the one guy that I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Just he he just does what he does very very well, and he's always getting better every outing. I mean, he's just got, he's got a mix. No, nah, yeah, my bad. But he's got a mix of everything that you can think of, and he uses it and any count. So I think he's going to be one of the guys that we're going to hear a lot about. All right, Ryan Watson coming out of the gates like shocking people with the zero zero ERA. I think his WHIP is like point two. What have, what have you seen from him? Um, yeah, so he's going to be a dude. I mean, simple as that. Like, he's going to be a dude. If he keeps on his stuff that he's been showing, he's he's going to be a pretty good dude. I mean, I don't know what what his role is going to be, but he's going to be up there somewhere. All right. Uh, reliever added to the 40-man over the offseason, Logan Gillespie. Seems like he throws heat. He's got cool tattoos. What else? Um, He's my throwing partner. So, I mean, I love the kid. And, I mean, all props to him. I mean, he's a good dude. We work – on getting each other better every day. And he's my tossing partner last year. And just some of the stuff that we've gone through and been through over the past like year, I think it's really helped both of us because we're kind of both like to see and get that like immediate feedback from each other. And I think just our toss play has just been very instrumental for both of our developments. All right. And just three position players. Let's start with professional hitter Jordan Westberg in a slump right now, but no doubt he'll break out of that. What do you think about him? I mean, he's a big leaguer. I mean, simple as that. Dude's going to be a big leaguer. He's, I mean, he's almost kind of like the Derek Jeter of our clubhouse. I mean, he's the captain. Everyone knows it. So, well, I mean, he'll break out of it, and he'll be back on where he should be. How about fellow infielder Gunnar Henderson, 20 years old, walked 21 times already this year, showing a lot of maturity for his age? I mean, same thing to Westberg, but Westberg's just got, what, three years on him? So, I mean, yeah. I think he's just basically in the same boat as – Westbrook is going to be a big leader, and there's nothing you can really do about it. So he's going to be there. And last one, Maverick Hanley. I mean, the bat isn't there yet, but it's got to be nice to throw that at guy. No, nah, dude, he's super intellectual. Like anything that you can think of, he'll know. And he just picks apart hitters just step by step, and just we he just does it so fluently. But, I mean, I think his bat's there. It's just I think he's kind of getting unlucky. And I don't think he's had enough reps, I think. He would say so himself to, I guess, really get back in that groove. And I think he's just kind of in his head a little bit. But, I mean, knowing him, he's going to be back hitting pretty well here soon. So, Love it. Good insights there, especially about Velez, the new guy that we didn't really know uh, too much about there. Um, but I had a question about kind of the off-the-field stuff. Uh, I know the Orioles have gotten a lot of praise over the last couple of months since the season started uh, about the, the housing situation and everything going on. I even heard something interesting on Delmarva broadcast, watching one of their games. They said that, I guess, they have an apartment complex and the Orioles got them like a, a golf swing simulator setup that the guys can play with. Uh, did you guys get any fun stuff over there in Bowie? Um, yeah, so, like, I mean, these apartments are super new and they're super nice and everything. We don't have the golf simulator, but, I mean, we have, like, a really nice pool, good weight room, and it's just kind of, like, in a really good, I mean, kind of town center because everything we can think of is literally within, I don't know, probably about 0.3 miles, and we can walk anywhere and everywhere. But I know, like, Westbury and Gunner and all of them, they have, like, a golf simulator, 
and like a movie theater in there. So I know a lot of guys are getting hooked up and I know there's all state of the art and everyone's really happy with it. It's good to hear. And we're going to go to a couple of listener questions here from Vivek. Um, he wants to go back to the when you were first drafted by the Orioles. How close were you to uh, following through and going to Pitts University of Michigan rather than going professional at that point? Um, honestly, I mean, me and Backage were really close. I had to catch up at Michigan right now. And, I mean, we still are. We still text almost probably like probably two or three times a year. And I and I keep wanting to go out there. I just haven't found the time. But, I mean, I'm going to go out there next year and hang out with them for a little bit. And – I think, honestly, it was probably about 50-50, depending on where I fell. But, I mean, I talked to him, and he was completely understanding about it, and it was just kind of like the right decision. I mean, it was the money I wanted. It was, the like, the round I wanted and everything. So, I think, ultimately, it was kind of a no-brainer. But, I mean, he said he's going to be the biggest Jerome fan, even if I'm not a Michigan man. But I think everything has kind of worked out for the best, so... I completely agree. And um, another question from Vivek, which is, what do you, what would you say that you need to work on to take the next step uh, to develop as a major league starter? Um, just kind of consistency, kind of finding that breaking ball consistently, because I mean that's kind of what I've been struggling with for this first month, because I've been mainly fastball. But I mean, it's still working somehow. I don't understand it, but it's working. <laughs> but just finding that consistency that I had last year with everything. And I think if I do what I did last year, I think I could probably take the next step here. So we'll see. Is it harder to pitch during these early months where it's a little chilly? Is it harder to get a feel for the, the breaking stuff? Um, a little bit, but I mean, also just, it's kind of still early. I mean, back in Kentucky, I mean, I was used to throwing the first three or four weeks in like 30, 40 degree weather. That's fair. So it's really nothing new to me for that one. But yeah, I mean, here is probably a little bit harder to find the breaking ball, especially when you're, I mean, have to go out and face these top dudes that are going to be big leaguers here soon. So, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Well, Drew, we really appreciate you uh, taking our questions tonight and looking forward to really seeing what you and this talented group of Bowie do uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be special. I mean, I think we got a lot in store for you all, and hopefully we uh, keep entertained. Well, and I trust your assessment because you've now pitched on two uh, really good teams in this Orioles farm system, the 2019 Sewerbirds and last year's Bay Sox. Yeah, I mean, I've just been blessed, honestly, with both teams. But, I mean, also, like, that Aberdeen team that I started off last year ended up basically being the uh, Bay Sox. So, I mean, just overall, just been with a bunch of really talented guys and just a lot of good teammates, too, honestly. Yeah, can't wait for a year or two from now when – half the team or more is all these guys coming coming up right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a special next couple of years because we're going to make decisions really hard on the front office here soon. So, Love it. Let's see it happen. You are, uh, I believe you're Rule 5 eligible next year, so we might be talking to a Drew Rom 40-man uh, roster member in the next couple of months. I'm hoping, so we'll see. <laughs> of course. It's, that's definitely going to happen. That's a lock. <laughs> Yeah, so Drew, if you want to hang out with us while we go through the rest of our show, feel free. If you want to hop off at any time, you can do that too. So, all right, I'll probably hang out for another 10 minutes. I got nothing right. to do. Sounds good. Well, you'll get to be one while we shout out the newest members of our Patreon community. Uh, we like to do that each week here on On the Verge when we've got new members coming in. I know we have a few that have signed up since our show last week. And Bob, uh, I'll turn it over to you to shout them out. Yeah, I had quite a few sign up, and I also want to announce a uh, a contest, a giveaway, if we can reach 100 patrons by next week's 100th episode. I think we're sitting at 96 right now, so it should be possible. Alec Fields, welcome to the club. Matt Malkus, Brian Holingsworth, Tyler Mays, Nick Carter, Jeremy Dan, Adam Jowden, Charles Robertson, Alex Tuckus, Park Sterling, Adam Meese and Tommy Kyle. Welcome. That's a big group added to the, to the patrons and we appreciate it. Absolutely. And we'll, uh, we've tweeted out uh, details, I believe about the Patreon contest that if we do get to 100, what is uh, up for grabs there? Yeah. If whether we cross 100 barely, or we have 110 this time next week, no matter if we get to hundred period, I'm going to, I want a Twitter giveaway contest of 
the signed baseballs from Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez somehow. So I'm going to pay that forward and I'll pick a winner live on air with a random random name generator and you can pick which one you want and I'll send it out to you. So it should be a pretty appealing. Two of the best prospects in baseball already in the major leagues. Let's go. Yep, definitely keep an eye on that if we can get to 100 patrons. And we'll actually turn our attention to the major leagues now because Kyle Bradis made his debut for the Orioles on Friday night going up against the Boston Red Sox. If you've been listening to this show and you've been following the Orioles minor leagues for the last two seasons or so, Bradis has been one of the more anticipated names to make that jump from AAA to the major leagues. He did very well at Norfolk to start off and was really a tune-up out of spring training to get to the major leagues. In his first start, he ended up going six innings, allowing three runs, two earned on five hits, a walk, and two strikeouts. I was there, and I have to say that the stuff looked really good. Fastball looked good. He was commanding his secondaries really well. Uh, gave up the home run early. Had a couple of tough luck defensive plays behind him. But I think the fact that he managed to work through six innings against what is a slumping but still talented Red Sox lineup was a great sign for him. So, Nick, I want to start with your thoughts here. Uh, I think for me, it was, I don't know about you guys, but you know, we've following all these guys in the system, like Drew and everybody else. And uh, I felt like a little emotional. It was like watching like a, a kid graduate uh, over here. So it was really cool. And then I don't know if you guys saw Kevin Brown's pregame talk when the broadcast started. It felt like this was game one of the World Series. It was like the prospects are here. They're coming, and we're turning the corner. The light at the end of the tunnel is bigger. Uh, that was really cool. But, yeah, it was really awesome to see Bradish make that big league debut. A quality start against the Boston Red Sox at home in front of a hometown crowd. You couldn't really ask for more. I, I mean, um, and it was really cool to look at some of the stat cast data uh, and get some numbers on that. Like, that slider – Movement was absurd. It was like 186% above league average in terms of movement. It was what, like 13 inches of horizontal movement there. Uh, the changeup, I know Alex Fast uh, gift that one changeup that was just like, that's an unhittable uh, changeup, no doubt. And so, yeah, I don't think you could really ask for anything more. Like, he is a big leaguer now, and hopefully we never see him back in a Norfolk Tides or Bowie Bay Sox uniform. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if – I know, Drew, you pitched with him uh, a lot, and you've been his teammate for a little bit. I mean, was what's it like for the prospects in the system and you guys when you watch a guy like Bradish make his major league debut? I mean, I'd be lying if, uh, you know, like three or four of our guys weren't just in the clubhouse just watching him just do his thing during the game. But, I mean, that I mean that's our guy. And I think we're going to be doing that a lot here soon, just watching a lot of our guys that we've come up with make their debuts. And I think we're going to see them excel. And, I mean, I think now, this year and next year, we're going to see kind of a lot of differential between the lineups and kind of see a lot of the prospects get their time. Yeah, for me, it was like goosebumps, you know. It was like, finally, this is what, you know, this whole three years, four years of rebuilding is leading up to. It's finally getting here, and, and we'll get to see these exciting young guys come up. And I, I didn't care what the results were. It was just cool to see him up here. He was clearly ready. He was dominating AAA in his three starts, just like he dominated AA to start 2021 with his three starts before he got promoted there. And the thing for me that I've noticed is his command is much better, at least, you know, compared to where he was at some point last year. Only one walk over six innings, only struck out two, but you could clearly see the stuff was good enough. He's going to get plenty of strikeouts this year. He's touched 96, 97, averaged 94 with the fastball. As you said, all the breaking stuff is just excellent. And you know, the defense was a little shaky in the beginning of his start, and he didn't let it rattle him. He he grooved one to Christian Arroyo, who hit one out for two-run Herbert, but he settled down and was great from there. So it's going to be cool to just see him go out there every five days now, and he's just part of the starting rotation in Baltimore. The, the command really has made strides since last fall, I would say, like maybe the end of last season, late August, early September. You can really start to see him turn a corner of those secondaries. And I think the thing that's impressive about him is that you can almost see the in-game adjustment where he's like, you know what, I'm not going to go for the strikeouts every single at-bat. Yeah, I'm going to go with some different off-speed stuff, try to get the ground balls, try to get the weak contact. And I think that allowed him to work deeper into the game. Yeah, I was kind of scared, you know, looking at that defense behind him uh, and some of the errors. You know, it's – I don't know if you – we, we're not going to say that publicly, uh, but uh, I'll just say that, you know, he doesn't have Joey Ortiz and Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg playing behind him up there in the big leagues right now. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I think it's just, I think he's there. I think he's there to stick. Uh, you know, it was, it's interesting to look back after that trade was made and you see like the national guys say like, well, it was a quantity over quality type move for the Orioles. They got four relievers here. You know, Bradish can't throw a strike. It, we had some evaluators on our own podcast who like, I watched him in California. I won't name his name. I watched him in California. I don't think he's got the stuff. And for him to like prove everybody wrong here, like it, I don't want to jump the gun here. Obviously, just one start, but he went up and he he excelled in that one start, and I think that's huge. And I think hopefully that calms a lot of nerves of like Orioles fans. You can say, look, here's a guy that the Orioles have developed, uh, and look what he's doing right now as soon as he comes up. So hopefully that helps fans calm down just just a little bit. Yeah, this is a team that you know the record is what the record is for the major league team right now. But outside of two games, they've been competitive in every single game, and this is with. Out the guys coming up like the Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez will be up soon. Adley Rushman's a couple weeks away. You know, it's just going to get better and better. And it's just a testament to the player development as we see this continue to happen. And it should give fans confidence, I think, by the end of the season that finally they'll admit Elias knows what he's doing. We have a great group of players in this system and they will make an impact very shortly. Yeah. Could you ask Drew this? Uh, maybe some uh, Kyle Bradish, like who is he as as a as a guy, as a person, the guy off the mound? I mean, he's he's actually just like a really down earth guy. Like, I mean, he's not going to big league anyone. He enjoys talking to people. He enjoys kind of just the casual conversation. But I mean, when it's time to go on the mound, I mean, he's a competitor. He's going to go out there and just try to just bust down doors. So. I mean, you really can't ask for anything better out of a starter. He honestly reminds me of Zach Greinke when he's on the mound. Just his his movements and mannerisms. Let's let's hope he can uh, have a career like that for the Orioles. That would be great. And I'm going to go lower in the system now to a debut that I think all of us were really surprised to see this early, but it was a very pleasant surprise. And that was Creed Willems getting to jump to Delmarva. Augusta runners learned quickly to not run on him. It took them a little bit too long to learn that lesson. He threw out two runners in his first game. And, Drew, I saw you smile there when I mentioned Creed. And we've heard a lot of praise about him just in the last couple of months. So have you had the chance to work with him yet, and what is he like? Um, Honestly, he's kind of everything you expect by looking at him. I mean, he's just a <laughs> stupid, strong guy. But, like, he's also just a goofy character. But, I mean, same thing with Bryce. When it's – I mean, it's time to play the game. He's very serious. He's very about him, like – Got his work and everything, and he takes it very seriously when he's actually working on himself. But, I mean, honestly, he's one of the best guys I've met so far, and he's got a lot of maturity for his age. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's what I jotted down here is that I made the note of. Like, I'm not looking at the batting stat. I think he got a hit. He just missed a home run, I think, in his first or second game. Um, not even looking at the batting stats of those first four games, but just watching those games – him work behind the plate in each of those games is like, that's not an 18 year old kid making his full season debut at all. Um, it, it was very, I know there's a lot of talk, you know, Adley was down and gave a lot of hype to um, Creed. And I heard, I know we heard some stories from inside the Patreon group about uh, that relationship that the two of them have, which is awesome. And you see, you saw a lot of like that Adley in Creed in those outings, it was pumping up the pitcher, uh, very animated behind the plate, but just, he was in control. It looked like on that game. Um, and yet you look at some of the guys who threw like Ryan Long, Shane Davis, Juan De Los Santos. They had, I think, their best outings of their young season so far, all with Creed behind the plate. I mean, so yeah, small sample sizes, but those guys excelled with him back there. And that was a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, I think he was what a perfect three for three throwing guys out. Like that's this is gonna be a a, a dude to watch as he matures. Yeah, but for, I mean, as young as he is, I mean, he's very smart. I mean, he's kind of like kind of a very young kind of Mav and kind of Cody Roberts because, like, I mean, I've had the pleasure of throwing to them for a while. But, I mean, he knows the game inside and out. Like, he is what he's, I mean, he's head and shoulders above kind of his competition down there in terms of his, like, intellect and just being a catcher. Like, he knows the game very well. Yeah, I think the Orioles have done a great job of, you know, getting a lot of catching talent in the system, obviously, Adley, but Maverick Hanley's the, a genius behind the dish. Uh, Creed Willems, Samuel Basayo coming up. These young guys look like they have some potential. But we talked about when we drafted, when the Orioles drafted Creed Willems. Uh, you know, they don't select high schoolers that often, but when they do, it seems like they're 
done their homework and they're incredibly confident in who they're taking and gave them an overslap bonus. And I think this is another step that just shows how confident they are in this, that they're willing to get them up to full season ball before the end of the first month is even over for the season. You know, I thought this was a guy who would show up in the FCL, play a month or two there, maybe get his feet wet in Delmarva at the end of the season, but he's already there and, and he's showing off his skills. So who knows what he could do? Get these guys in there and let them do the thing. Something I was, I'm wondering if it's affecting some of the other guys in that Delmarva roster. Cause there's a lot of 18, 19 year old kids, uh, a lot of young international players who are playing stateside for the first time. Um, or at least full season ball for the first time, it, they don't have that short season anymore. And so I wonder if that's, we're going to see the impact of that over the next couple of years. And I don't know, like if, if Drew, speaking from experience, your experience, like did you find a lot of value in going from like that short season ball before getting to low A or what was your experience with that? I, say, I mean, I was never able to play short season because I, mean, I was in the GCL the whole time, okay. but honestly, I could see the differences in some of the guys who went to short season and went to low A because they were kind of more expecting of what the season is kind of about rather than like me and Grayson because like it was kind of like more like a shell shock kind of like halfway through we're like dang we still got about like seven more games like it's it's been a long season but now it's just kind of like every other day so I just think a lot of it's just about maturity and growing up at that point and I think that's what short season was able to do for a lot of guys. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Or just that jump too, since if you hop off soon before before you leave, um, you were the high school guy. So like that jump from high school to pro ball, I mean, what? how big of a, a shock was that to your system? Because we heard stories like Patrick Dorian and, and his story with that. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, honestly, when I was in pro ball, I was – I mean, I got drafted on, what, the 5th of June or whatever, and I was still playing high school until mid-June. So, I mean, I was playing baseball with high schoolers up until pro ball. And then when I got down there, honestly, it really wasn't as much of a shock as I thought it was going to be or as most people thought it was going to be because, I mean, it's still basically a bunch of guys that are about your age and, like, they're still young and very raw and kind of don't have the maturity, like, in the batter's box for the most part to, I guess – have that much of a difference, but definitely low A and high A, it was kind of more of an eye opener. And then definitely in double A, you're starting to see guys who may have had some big league time or are about to make their debuts or something and kind of see the skill and maturity difference kind of both in their approaches and um, honestly their swings and it's just talent wise. So, yeah, I would have to imagine that is a big jump going from we've heard low A to high A is a difficult jump. For some, but what did you find to be the most difficult so far? High to double A for sure, because I think that's where a lot of the maturity for their approaches was, because they weren't going to go chase the breaking ball in the dirt. It had to be basically you're throwing a breaking ball through the zone and you're going to have to make it break out, but like you just can't throw that thing in the dirt and expect a swing. It has to be through the zone. Yeah, I just think, you know, I know that Delmarva team can be kind of uh, rough to watch some nights. And as we see a lot of the comments, people commenting like on our tweets and stuff and other discussion taking place. And I just think, you know, with Creed being back there behind the plate now in Delmarva, that's going to hopefully uh, help a lot of those pitchers on the mound. Speaking from experience there about his intellect and how mature he is for his age. So I think things will start turning around for that Delmarva roster uh, pretty soon. There's there's some dudes on that roster. Yeah, plus, I mean, you got to think, they're only still, what, 18, 19, and this is their yeah. first taste of pro ball. And, I mean, they're facing dudes that are, like, 21, 22. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of skill difference, but I think a lot of those dudes just seeing on the spring chain, I think they're going to adapt very quickly. Yeah, and going up against that older, tougher competition, it's only going to help their development, I feel like. you gotta, you got to play up to the level of competition or – or not, but um, and I think guys will come in as reinforcements. Kind of Trent and Craig, I feel like is getting close to to ready. Heston Kerstad, whenever he's ready to go, he'll probably start there. You know, I think I think they'll get better as the season goes on. And it's just a different team right now compared to the the other three full season ball clubs, which are all super competitive. You throwing out names there. We're kind of bouncing around all over the place here. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> speaking of those names, like, can we get Anthony Servideo back? Like, I yes. want to watch. I want to watch him uh, play again as well. But I imagine he would start in Delmarva for a little bit. But yeah, hopefully we get more of these injured guys returning. We've seen a few already, so hopefully there's more in the near future. 
Yeah, definitely hoping for better health from some of these players. And we'll transition now to something that is new to the show and is going to be new to BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com this year, which is our Players of the Month for each of the minor league affiliates. Bob, Nick, and I went back and forth about this over the weekend, and we settled on one pitcher and one hitter each month from each of the Orioles affiliates. We'll be crowned when we get into the short season months. We'll start working them into the mix. But for now, we're just focusing on the four full season levels. And we'll start off with AAA Norfolk. To give a quick background on how the voting works, we each list three names. Whoever gets first gets the most points, second the second most, third gets a point. Uh, And then we tally that result up into the overall winner. And at Norfolk, we ended with Robert Newstrom as our hitter of the month and a tie for pitcher of the month between Grayson Rodriguez and Nick Vespi. This is a pretty crowded field and one that we saw a lot of twists and turns. I suspect the vote might have looked a little bit different if it had happened two weeks ago, but that's why you wait out the whole month. So we'll just start with this group here. Rodriguez and Vespi tie, Robert Newstrom alone as the hitter of the month. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? I think that Norfolk roster has kind of cooled off a little bit, just a cold stretch right now, but uh, he's got 10 hits over his last six games. That batting average is up like 70 points over the last week, week and a half. He's getting on base like 36% clip. I mean, he's he's staying hot. And you got guys like DJ Stewart and Ryan McKenna coming back down to Norfolk. Uh, Newstrom's, it seems like he's saying like nobody's taking my spot in that lineup right now. Uh, and it's really great to see. And I mean, Rodriguez, like what else would you say about Rodriguez? He had a couple, you know, rough patches there. And that's, that's nothing. I think it's going to bounce back from that pretty easily. It's Grayson Rodriguez. He's the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. Uh, but for me, it was Nick Vespi. Like I had Nick Vespi number one. I don't think there's anything more he needs to do. Like put this guy in the big leagues. Um, what 19? I, f- oh, I got wrong numbers there, but he missed a lot of time last year in double A. And then it seemed like they promoted him to triple A almost right after he got off the injured list. And so, yeah, like the numbers were kind of, you know, iffy. I get that. I saw comments about that already, but like, I think 2022, his performance, that's a true representation of who Nick Vespi is. And like, let's see this guy in the big leagues, see if he can make it or not. Cause he's ready. Yeah, Vespi's absolutely ready. I'm glad he got the, one of the nods here because he hasn't let up a run. He struck out like 13 or 15 over nine and a third innings. He's just nasty after the Arizona Fall League. I feel like the Orioles got lucky that the Rule 5 uh, draft got canceled because he probably would have been scooped up by another team and been lights out in someone's bullpen at the major leagues right now. So, yeah, can't wait to see him come up. Grayson, yeah, like we've talked about, the defense has made him get had to get a couple extra outs than maybe – you would have normally liked to see, but he'll be fine. The stuff still looks electric as ever. And I love what Newstrom's doing. I mean, he got off to a bit of a slow start that first week or two, but he's been on fire lately and I still can't wait to see him come up and hit the warehouse. I feel like he is a guy that has the power to do that. He's going to have many balls on Utah street, a lot of plaques out there. And yeah, I I love the guy, him and Stowers. They're, they're like battling to see who's going to be the first one up once uh, there's space open in the outfield. How tough are those guys? Have you had, how tough are those guys to pitch to, Drew? Um, no, they're they're both super tough. I mean, they're they're almost one of the same because I mean, when you see them in like spring training or something, like everyone's wearing the same clothes, same batting helmet, and everything. And honestly, you really can't tell them apart because I mean, really, all you can see is the face, and even that, it's still pretty similar. So it's like I mean, you're almost pitching to the same guy, but yeah, it's it's kind of scary because if you leave one, like they're gonna take about six hundred feet, so. We saw Newstrom literally do that at and was that Colorado? Not Colorado, um, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, Hartford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both of them hit have hit home runs. You know, probably from a year ago or maybe even a little bit less. It still haven't come down. Um, so I agree, they're very similar, and both have to be scary in the box. We'll go to Double A Bowie now, and some another competitive vote but in the end the winners are Hudson Haskin for hitter of the month and Ryan Watson for pitcher of the month two pretty strong starts there so Drew these are your teammates Al what is your thoughts on this I mean honestly I mean Haskin deserves it I mean he just went off on the first what like two three weeks of the season and just like he literally could not be stopped I mean that injury calmed down a little bit but I mean he was just hitting everything he could see. I mean, the ball must look like a baseball to him because I mean, he was just hitting and getting a hit every single time. 
But, I mean, with Watson, yeah, I mean, I think most of us knowing him probably expected expected it. And I think it was kind of more, more or less like his position to lose it because, I mean, he's got the stuff to be that guy, but it's whether he kind of has confidence in himself and confidence in his pitches to be able to do that. And, I mean, we, we saw what he could do with all that, so – yeah, I don't know what happened, Drew. I, I had you at first place, no doubt. So, <laughs> no, I'm sure you, you'll be up there for me, no doubt about it. Uh, for me, asking, I was at the game where he hit three home runs. So, that was enough to clinch it for me. He was just unbelievable. He was on deck to get a shot at his fourth home run, too, but when that game ended. That would have been incredible to see. And Watson, how could you deny? I mean, he gave up what, like two base runners in his 15 or so innings? So, this was an easy vote, Bowie. Uh, they had it locked down. Who was going to win these awards? Yeah, I think his first nine innings were perfect innings. No walks, no hits, no base runners. Uh, pretty ecstatic there to watch Watson. Uh, and then yeah, Haskin. Like he has a WRC plus of two hundred one. I mean, league average one hundred. So I mean, that's that's all you need to see right there. And that's even with a couple of you know meh games after coming back from the injury, like Drew said. So I mean, that's how hot this guy was at the beginning of the year. Um, and I, I'm going to stick with it. I think before, I think it was a Patreon show we did, one of Brandon's surveys where you're talking about looking at a group of outfielders, right? And I said, don't sleep on Hudson Haskin. I know that first year he didn't like light the world on fire, but I mean, the Orioles used a second round draft pick on him. He had a lot of hype coming into the year and he's showing exactly why the Orioles grabbed him as high as they did. Good on to Aberdeen. And this is close calls on both sides. We know the Ironbirds have a lot of good hitters. Uh, you could have probably drawn these up three or four different ways and still had the right answer or still yeah, had a really good answer. But Cesar Prieto picked up all three first place votes for hitter of the month, uh, beating out John Rhodes, who finished in second. And Justin Armbruster was our pitcher of the month. And there have been some really interesting developments down in Aberdeen with their pitching staff. It was something we thought might happen at started this year. But you look at guys like Jensen Elliott, Noah DeNoyer, Peter Van Loon, all picking up votes. Arm Brewster in the end wins it, though. Yeah, not this, bad for just an org guy, right? Whatever homeboy called him uh, in his uh, notes. Oh, yeah. watching Keith Wells, the best. Yeah, eighteen strikeouts, three walks for Arm Brewster. Working, he's starting all four games so far. Like I, I love what that kid's got. It's gonna be fun to watch him progress. And Prito, it's just unfortunate that that injury happened when it did because he's lighting the world on fire. Yeah, the the pitching here was so hard because I feel like Aberdeen has just a bunch of guys that are tandem starters with each other right now, pitching like four innings at a spot, and they're all doing pretty well. So this this was definitely a tough one for me, but I can't even remember who I put first place, honestly. But Armbruster is a deserving guy. He he looks like he's pitching really well. And Prieto, it was close for me between him and John Rhodes, but just a seven home runs three doubles, the way he bounced back from not walking his first two weeks to walking five times in his third week and just seemed like he was right on the precipice of joining Drew and Bowie this week or next week. And uh, unfortunately, it's a grade one hamstring, so he'll be back sooner rather than later. Nothing too serious, but hopefully he bounces back and maybe he'll just they'll just send him right up to, to double A once he is ready to come back. Moving down to Delmarva now and another situation where you had both players sweep the first place votes. Daryl Hernandez is our hitter of the month. Juan De Los Santos is the pitcher of the month. Hitter of the month, a couple of interesting results. Isaac Bellini and Nolberth Romero both got strong consideration. Nick had Luis Valdez on his ballot. Um, and then on the pitching, Shane Davis and Boises Chasse both got uh, considerable looks, as did Ryan Long. But De Los Santos has gotten off to a phenomenal start. And I can see Nick, he seems to quickly become – quickly be becoming a on-the-verge Twitter highlight favorite. <laughs> yeah, De Los Santos, I, I don't know what – that is a stocky kid. I mean, he is thick everywhere, and he's just overpowering these guys in low A. Um, it's, it'll be fun to see him progress as the season goes along. Uh, there's some really interesting names in Delmarva. I shouted out Ryan Long the other day because I really liked his last outing. Shane Davis, and we had Sam Jelinek said, uh, shouted us out on Twitter, and he said that was his last outing was the best he'd probably ever seen Shane pitch. Um, and as a Chesapeake kid, like I'm going to root hard for him. That's a local uh, Hampton Roads guy, so he's my guy. Um, but yeah, and Hernandez, as far as the hitters, like Hernandez, I mean, 
five home runs. He hit six home runs all the last year. He's already got five in 16 games. He's playing like a man on a mission, and we know what that mission is. Uh, and I think uh, he's about to unlock a new achievement here. He, he's got to at this point. Drew was talking about forcing front office uh, decisions here. Her days is doing that right now. Yeah. I mean, he, we heard from the through the grapevine he was not happy to go back to Delmarva. He wanted that boost up to Aberdeen, and who could blame him? I mean, he, he looked great for his age last year and had a decent spring from what Eric Garfield told us, but he didn't pout. He didn't, you know, let it get to him. He was just like, said, okay, I'll make you do it. And then he is. I would be shocked if he's not in Aberdeen this week, next week, very soon, just killing the ball. Clearly, as took his time in Delmarva last year at 19 years old and is has used it to just get better, which is what you want to see. So excited for him. And yeah, Juan de los Santos, what is he, 18, 19 years old? And he looks like Felix Bautista already at that age on the mound. So yeah, exciting. Just I feel like the international class of pitchers is where you're going to find these just out of nowhere electric arms that you hadn't even heard about until they show up on a mound one day. So very cool to see. And there, there's the fun of Delmarva. You know, they might not win the games each night, Era, more likely than not, but you're going to see someone that's just like, whoa, you can see the tools, you can see the potential. So good stuff. Speaking of Batista, have you stood next to Batista, Drew? Like, <laughs> how monster of a man is he? Um, I mean, he's, he's just a massive dude. Like, I mean, I've stood next to Judge before, and I think Batista makes Judge look small. <laughs> I mean, when, when Batista's sitting in a locker, he like his shoulders are so broad, he takes up the whole locker. Talk about a pitcher I don't want to stand in the batter's box against. Yeah, dude, that that might be the best uncomfortable at bat because yeah. that's like it's. I mean, it's coming from like what, like seven feet tall or whatever, and I mean he spins. I mean he spins the hell out of it, and that splitter is disgusting. So, absolutely. We need the. I don't know if he's still got like his height weight listed there on his MLB profile. I can't pull it fast enough, but is it still yet six five one ninety? Like that's nope. <laughs> that's a that's quite a measurement they got I mean, him. He's, he's probably all of like six eight two seventy. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, they need to do a lot of updating with a lot of the the heights and weights. Yeah, he's like a power forward on a Big Ten college basketball team right now. Yeah, he's an interesting backstory about heights. Before we go to our final segment, I was looking up something about Gunnar Henderson the other day, and I wanted to go to his perfect game listing. If you look at his perfect game listing and his MILB listing, he has shrunk an inch since he was drafted. <laughs> he was six foot three according to perfect game, six two according to MILB. Uh, I don't know about that one. Clearly, these can be trusted. I, was, I got him at like six four. He's a big dude. Yeah, I didn't think either one was accurate. I mean, he's he's a good two inches taller than me, so I'm six two on a good day. We'll go to our final segment now where we like to shout out players who are not in our top 30 list for things they've done recently, whether it's been a good game, a good week, um, or just something kind of fun they did. And I'm going to go to my pick on that, and that's Nolberth Romero, who has been hitting the ball really well lately. And he hit a home run in Augusta where I think he carried the bat all the way to first base as he was watching whether or not it was going to stay fair. And that was awesome to watch. Um, I think that that should take over bat flips now for celebrations. And then the the one that I'm going to go with for pitchers is Carlos Tavera. That's a guy that we kind of zeroed in on at the start of the year as a breakout candidate. And I think his most recent outing at Aberdeen was his best one so far. Picking up his first win, but good strikeout totals. And the thing that I'm encouraged by is that after he walked a lot of batters last summer coming out of the draft over a small sample size, he has that down considerably this year. And I have to feel like he's trending in the right direction. Ended the month of April with 18 strikeouts against six walks in 14 to third innings across four starts. So I'll go with Tavera this week. Drew, um, batters celebrating home runs in any way, flipping, <laughs> carrying a bat all the way around. How do you feel about it? I mean, just don't leave it there. I mean, that's all I got. I mean, but, like, you can't get mad if, like, we celebrate after we strike you out or something. Like, I mean, if you bat flip against us and we strike you out next time, like, yeah, we're probably going to give you a little something, but just don't be mad about it because you literally made an ass of yourself running down first base for no reason, so. Yeah, we love case struts, too. I think Peak has a good one. Ignacio Feliz is great with that, so. 
I can go with mine. Uh, I chose Billy Cook as my hitter. Those Ab- that Aberdeen lineup was just literally unstoppable. Um, I don't know if they lost last week. They just had it was the rain that got them on Sunday. They had to suspend that game. But yeah, Cook hit 385 last week, two triples and a home run. Drove in five. Only Kobe Mayo had more home runs because he hit like three home runs. More runs driven in because he had like three home runs. Uh, two walks, two strikeouts, two stolen bases. Cook's interesting because he's got the power. He's got the speed. He's seven for seven in stolen base attempts. So power, speed, positional versatility, plays first base. They have DH in left field, right field. Kind of an under-the-radar name over there in Aberdeen. And my pitcher, I went with uh, Easton Lucas. And good we got Drew here. You can give us uh, the scouting report on Lucas, but the return of the Jonathan Villar trade, a name I don't think anybody's talking about. He struck out 12, gave up just one run in eight and a third innings. Um I found an interesting little nugget actually on baseball America. After that trade went down, baseball America said he was a tentative competitor and he kind of played down to the competition. Uh, I didn't see any of that when I watched him last week. Uh, so I don't know if, if uh, Drew has a, a firsthand scouting report down Easton. No, I mean, he, like, I understand where the tentative competitor comes out, but like, that's just cause he's kind of more like a shy dude. He's kind of like to himself. So, like, he's not going to be kind of, like, peak or something like that. Just, like, polar opposite. But, I mean, like, internally, like, I mean, he's a competitor. Like, that dude competes. He strikes out the world. I mean, just, I mean, his stuff just plays. I think he's got a little bit, I think he's got a little slider going this year, too, which is super effective for him. But, I mean, overall, I mean, he's just a dude. And I think a lot of people are surprised about it. But I think most of us saw it coming, so. Very cool. Yeah, my guys are Isaac Bellamy for single A Delmarva. Just, you know, he's actually not even part of the Mike Elias uh, international crop of people that have been brought in from since he took over. He's a Dan Duquette guy, a rare international signing by the previous regime. But he looks pretty polished, actually, for, uh, you know, these young guys in Delmarva. He's batting 276 with like an 873 OPS. He's got three home runs. He's walking, which not a lot of guys in that lineup are, which is to be expected. They're young. It's something you've got to learn over time. So shout out to him. Great start. Maybe he can make his way up to Aberdeen at some point this year. And for my pitcher, I'm going with Tim Naughton. He's another guy with Nick Bespi and Cole Uvila, Uvila who uh, hasn't given up a run yet in AAA out of their bullpen. And he's just not getting the credit that those guys are. Maybe he's not the prospect at the major leagues that they are, but Hey, he's doing it. And if you do that, you're going to get a shot. We saw it last year. I think pretty much every relief pitcher that pitched for Norfolk Norfolk was uh, eventually caught up to make their a major league appearance. So shout out to him. Any, uh, any reviews on him, Drew? Um, I mean, honestly, that dude just competes. I mean, he's good. I mean, he's sneaky good. Like you're not going to see it first off, but I mean, overall, I mean, his stuff is just electric. I mean, his fastball's just super hoppy, and his slider's just a white belt. I think he's tr- he's trying to work on his changeup, but I mean, I think he's coming a long way. And I mean, I'm not surprised at how well he's doing. So, love it. Good deep of arms. Yeah, I'm glad you had Tim Norton because I was going to put him down. I felt bad about not putting him down, but I watched Lucas's uh, outing that last time, and I had to shout him out. But yeah, everybody talks about Vespi, and we're we're guilty of that too. Everybody's talking about Vespi and Uvila, and they're uh, lights out performances this year, but Naughton very quietly eight scoreless innings with Norfolk. Yeah, absolutely, and Norfolk bullpen off to a good start. And Drew, we really have appreciated your insight tonight. And as congratulate you are the first player guest to ride out an entire show with us. I mean, it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. I had fun. It's I mean, it's pretty easy. It's pretty fun. So I mean, I'm not going to say no. All right. Well, you heard that other players that will be coming on over the summer. (laughs) Challenge accepted. (laughs) Love it. I I know a lot of the listeners will greatly appreciate the insights, uh, especially a lot of your teammates, not just yourself, because, yeah, it's it's, you know, a lot of these guys coming up, you know, fans are more in tune than ever to the minor leagues and scrutinizing you guys like I feel like more than ever before. And I don't know if you guys kind of feel that pressure from the fans, but, you know, without a lot of, you know, excitement at the major league level fans are excited for the future. And, you know, I guess there's good and bad there, but you know, guys are paying attention and it's really good to learn uh, more about each of these players. Yeah. I mean, we're just putting on a spotlight now. So, I mean, yeah. it's kind of how the big league team has been struggling, but I, mean, I think with everything coming up, I think we're being put on that spotlight and we're expected to compete and do well at every level. And one time we don't or something, people are going to be 
not too happy with us or not too happy with the team or whatever. So, I mean, we just take it with a grain of salt and not really pay attention to that. So, Just getting you prepared for the spotlight at the major league level in a couple of years. Exactly. Do you feel it any more playing as close to Baltimore as you are now? You're only about maybe 25 miles away or so down in Bowie. Um, I mean, not really. I mean, we're we still need a couple more fans in the in the stands. Really feel it, but I mean, I think hopefully soon we'll see a lot more people kind of at our games because we'll be competing, we'll be winning, and hopefully people will be recognizing the talent we have. So, might see a few more fans uh, this week with Adley and DL Hall coming up. Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we like Grayson was last year, so <laughs> gas it up. We will be back next week for our 100th episode. In the meantime, continue to follow us on Twitter at BSL and the Birds and check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for all of the latest sports coverage, including the Orioles, some excellent NFL draft analysis, as well as covers of college sports and more. Hop on the message board and join and discuss them with fellow readers of the site, as well as contributors. We will be back next week for episode 100. We'll be joined by Michael Elias. So looking forward to rolling out that interview, having our reaction to that, as well as the latest news in the Orioles farm system. Thank you to Drew Rom tonight for coming on our show. For Drew Rom, Bob Phelan, and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to On the Birds.